want you to remain standing and take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Philippians chapter 4. We're getting ready for our missions conference. It's coming up here on the uh, weekend of the 28th, 29th, and 30th. And that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday night at, at 7 o'clock right now. We're, we're, we're scheduled to have our, our uh, at this time, we may move it up a little bit earlier because we're planning on an outdoor service there. But uh, you just stay in tune on that. But we're going to have our, our missionary brother Matt Haynes with us. And uh, Brother Haynes is doing a great work for God, and he's in an area of the world that <laughs> he's probably the only one of his kind that's out there and just doing a good work for the Lord. And uh, we're praying that God will greatly use him, and uh, he's going to be with us as one of our featured speakers. And then we're going to have Brother uh, Jerry White with us, who's been a long-term missionary. I think he's been there for about 10 years now, maybe a little bit longer. He supported him there in the country of Tanzania, and just recently they had a, uh, a soccer event, uh, event that God used, and and uh, we're praying that uh, that God would use the, the Brother White very greatly here. And then Brother Dan Morris, who's a great church planting missionary that I'll say more about on Sunday morning, that uh, he's recorded some messages for us that we'll be showing. And then Brother Adam Turnbull, who's a missionary going to Cambodia, who'll be working with veteran missionary Roddy Rupel. Brother Rupel is one of the first uh, American missionaries there to go to Cambodia. He's been greatly used of God and cooperates and works with the other missionaries we have down there. And then Brother Garen Patrick, who's going to Nigeria. And uh, we'll get the chance to see these videos and their presentations. So you pray for that, if you would. And uh, you, if you haven't done so, please sign up for those, those, those different services. Saturday, we're going to learn about ministry nuts and bolts from the missionaries, exactly how they do ministry on, the, on, on site there. And so you can either sign up for a 10 o'clock service or 11 o'clock service, or 11.30 service, actually, uh, for Saturday there. And then Sunday morning will be two services. And then, uh, then Sunday night will be a drive-in service. And we want to try to encourage as many people as possible to come in for that service so we can participate and give our um, participation in Faith Promise Missions there. Well, Philippians chapter 4, this has been preached on many times, and that I felt led of the Lord this week. I actually wanted to finish up uh, 1 Corinthians 10. I was very excited about that. I spent about four or five hours working on the message the other day, and then I just, Holy Spirit changed my mind. I said, no, you've got to preach on faith promise here. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So I'm gonna, I want you to take some notes this evening. Let me say a couple of thoughts before I read the scriptures. Um, most prominently, most, most of the time when we preach about faith promise, we use 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 to lay the groundwork for that, and, and I believe those are appropriate verses there. But contextually, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 speak about the concept of grace giving. Really, is when you look at how Paul starts off that passage, he's talking about raising a special offering for the needy saints at Jerusalem. A famine occurred, and there was a need, there was a dearth in the land, and the brethren at Macedonia, and later on the churches of Achaia, they took up special offerings for them. And they themselves were needy. And all the principles there can be applied to faith promise, but contextually, it doesn't fit faith promise missions, as we call it, as well as it does here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 to 20. Now, if you study faith promise missions, I believe it's biblical. I believe I'm going I'm to apply it right now. But who, the person who gave prominence to it and really put it on the radar screen for churches was Oswald J. Smith, who founded the People's Church up in Toronto, Canada. Now, he wasn't Baptist, per se, but I'll be honest with you, he had a, uh, he had a Baptist heart for missions. And he uh, was a great preacher back in his time. And there was a day when Toronto had some great churches. Uh, Jarvis Street Baptist Church was a great church. A pastor friend of mine that I preached for up in Ajax, Ontario, which is 30 minutes outside of Toronto. Um, I mean, he, he'd walked that church, he'd been through it. Jarvis Street Baptist was a, was a very, very prominent church in the Independent Baptist Church movement historically. But it was Oswald J. Smith 
who gave prominence to this. And not very many people preach Philippians 4. And in my studies several years ago, I was going through and I said, man, there's some, there's some good stuff here about faith, promise, missions. And the more I got into it, I realized this is the appropriate passage to preach. And I'm not against anybody, and I did it last year for faith, promise. I preached from 2 Corinthians 8. I'm not against us using 2 Corinthians 8 for it, but if you want to get contextually down to where the Bible speaks specifically about it, I think it's right here in that. Now, I'm going to tell you some things tonight as we read through this and study it. That Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 to 20 calls upon God's people to do exactly what the church at Philippi did. And it calls upon us to obey God in this matter. And there's some rich dividends and results that God gives to churches and believers that participate in it. So tonight, let's begin by reading a very lengthy passage of Scripture because we have a little bit of time. And let me get into my message tonight. Would you ask God to speak to you this evening? Whether you participate or don't have not participated, let the Lord speak to you tonight from His Word. Let Him have His way in your heart tonight. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now, if I could sum up the Christian life, that's how basic it is. The things you've learned, you've received, and heard, and seen, do it. And Paul said specifically in him. Now remember, he was the one that God used to start this church. And when Paul went to a church, when you read these epistles, brother and sister in Christ, I mean, he, he preached every night to these people. He had discipleship every day. No wonder these churches exploded in growth. And he told them the secret to the Christian life is what you've heard, you've received, you've seen, and, 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 you, and you, you, you've seen. He said you've learned. He said you've got to do it. So I want to start off tonight by saying, you waste your time tonight. If I fe- when I finish on preaching my faith promise, if you're not participating, you're wasting your time. You might as well get off the live stream now because you're just wasting your time. If you're not going to obey God, turn it off right now. If you're going to obey God tonight, then you need to follow Apostle Paul said in verse 9, that you learn what you're going to hear, what you're going to receive, and what you're seeing. You better do. Because last year, we had, we had a little bit around, just short of 200 units pledged. Participation in Faith Promise Missions. And we had the largest pledge ever in our church. We went over $500,000. Now, not all of it's come in yet. I have to look at the number that I got the other day. Not all of it's come in, but a pretty good chunk have. And let me just say this. We've increased our support for our missionaries in accordance with that. Missionaries who've been on the field for 15 plus years and have started at least three churches. They're getting a minimum of 300 a month from us. And there's some in some cases we're going to be looking at a little more carefully. Those who have churches that, that are less than 15 years and are pastoring a church and are, are serving on the mission field, they're getting at least 200 a month. All those who start off on the uh, start off perhaps they're just on. They're, they're, they finish deputation, they, they're on deputation, they're on the field, 
but they're learning the language. We're really going to have a church going, and they're, they're, they're getting a minimum of 150 a month. Let me tell you, we're, we're way above in terms of where the average church is sending support to missionaries. But I want to do more. I want to do more. And there's a number of our missionaries at the end of the year. We've had the privilege over the last several years. We've sent them an extra gift at, at Christmas time that's helped them with special needs. There are many we've helped with special projects. And uh, one of the needs I'm going to encourage you as a church this year, I want, I want us to keep that support the same. I want to encourage you to give more, of course, but at least keep the support the same because we don't, I, I like to be able to tell you that we have 10 new missionaries we're going to be taking on support. I can't tell you that this year, but we will be looking for that. And we're going to set aside, we're going to ask everyone to give a special amount that's going to be for capital needs. We're identifying several of those right now. So you need to do this. And he said, and as he did that, you notice he put a call in there, verse 9, because I think those flipping believers like you are kind of nervous about what you're supposed to do. And he says, and the God of peace shall be with you. God will give you peace about what you're going to do. And he said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That now, notice this phrase here, at the last, your care of me has flourished again. Where you were also careful, notice they were anxious, they were burdened for him, but he said, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now that's the missionary's disposition on the field. He said, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now you know what he's saying there? And I kind of go through this with our missionaries when they're here with us because I don't think they get anywhere else. I tell them, you know what, even if your need's not met, get to the field. And you know what, faith promise wasn't meant to pad your pocket. Faith promise was meant so that you could focus on the ministry. And I'm thinking of a missionary right now we're praying over who's a better missionary. He's suffering need right now. He's losing support. Churches that have, that have basically stopped meeting their faith promises dropped. That's one of the reasons churches need to get back to meeting. So offerings don't drop. Mysteries stay supported. Souls are getting saved. He said in verse 13, look, okay, I am full, I'm hungry, I bow, and I suffer need. He says, you know what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now I know the positive thinkers and the prosperity theologians like to take Philippians 4.13 and twist it and say, that means you can do all things. No, he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now he goes back to, to the, 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 the topic here, verse 14. Notwithstanding, notice what he says here, he commends the church at Philippi, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my afflictions. Now circle the word communicate. Ye did communicate with my afflictions, my need. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, he's talking about specifically when he was at Philippi. 
when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He's talking about faith promise missions there. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full. I like the attitude of one of our guest missionaries is coming. I tried to get him set up with some other churches. You know what he said? Pastor Fong, thank you for helping me, but I don't need any more support. I'm, I'm taken care of. I'm coming to California because I'm coming for your church. I like that kind of spirit. He's not coming to find more support. He's coming because he wants to be a blessing to his supporting church. Why? Because there's fruit abounding to the count of this church and to the members of this church who participate in faith. And by the way, if you're not in faith promised missions, I feel sorry for you. Because there's no fruit abounding in your count. And that's the 1 Corinthians 3 principle right there. You'll hear more about that tonight. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. But I have all, and I abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Notice this. This is the title of my message. An odor of a sweet smell. In other words, a sweet-smelling fragrance. The same thing was said about Mary of Bethany when she broke the alabaster box. By the way, sometimes God has to break some things for something sweet to come out. He said, and the Bible says when she poured out that ointment on Jesus, the odor filled the house. He said, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God, because he tested God over and went many times, and he said, God is taking care of me. He said, God's going to take care of you. My God shall supply all your need. Because notice in verse, verse 18, he described what they did as a sacrifice. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight about an odor of a sweet smell. Father, bless the word of God that's been read tonight. And as we look at God's financial plan for worldwide missions, we're going to learn, we're going to hear, we're going to receive, we've actually have seen, and when it's all said and done for, we must do. I pray that this evening you'd give a conviction in the heart of Heritage Baptist Church members and attendees about the importance of faith promise missions. I pray you help us to be attentive to worthy missionaries that we can support, fields that we can participate in, whether they're veteran missionaries or missionaries on deputation, 
Help us to be wise and cognizant of what to do. And may God, you get the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All of us understand the importance of missions. I'll preach a little bit about that Sunday morning, about our theme for the missions conference. The word missions is not found in the Bible. We've taken the term mission to describe the calling of God and and perhaps the baseline of that that we use is found in Acts chapter 13. Where an individual and a man gets the calling of God on his life. And that calling is specific to a people group, an area of the world, where he takes the gospel there with the intent of starting churches, making disciples, winning souls, and reproducing more leaders, and reproducing more churches. That's as simple as that. And there's something to be said about a missionary who goes to an area and begins right from the very first convert of focusing on developing that convert, that man, with the potential of that man being a pastor, leader, and getting the church to where it's self-sufficient, to where it can financially be responsible and taking care of a pastor. And then from there, either doing one or two things. Either sending that man out to start a new work, or turning over the existing work to that man, and the mystery goes off to start another work like that. It works both ways. And some of those churches don't, they don't get very big. They may get 50 to 100. But over a period of time, a mission that's got the work down right might have 4, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 work. If you take the case of Brother Doc, uh, Dr. Rick Martin, there's, there's probably upwards of 8,000 churches 8,000 churches, maybe more, because I don't even know if they know the true count, as many as 8,000 churches that have been reproduced because of the original start of Elo Baptist Church in Elo, 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 uh, Philippines. I get excited about that. Amen? I think about 8,000 churches, average church has 50, 50 people. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out how many people are being affected by the gospel of Jesus Christ here. But when we start churches... We have missionaries, we have conferences, we have to get down to the bottom line about things. How do you pay for that? How do you pay for it? Hey, you know, in ministry, we have a lot of great ideas about things, but the bottom line comes down to, how do you pay for it? You know, it's one thing to talk about, well, we need this, we need this, and need this, but at the end of the day, we have to talk about, how are we going to pay for it? Money doesn't grow on trees if you haven't figured that out, Amen. And God's people, I mean, the, the church doesn't go to the government for money. And we're not going to the government for money. Amen? And we're not appealing to corporations for donations. They want to give a donation. Thank God for that. As long as they give with no strings attached. And we're not looking for the United Way concept of things where there's matching contributions, even though I'm thankful for institutions that do matching contributions. And for some of our members who are savvy enough to figure out that as long as it fits the criteria, they can give something to the church and they'll match it. It's a great thing. We built our buildings by doing that. Some people did that. God's work supported by God's people. That's the way it should be. And God's financial plan for supporting missionaries for making sure the missionary can be on the field, 
and not be bivocational and stay on the field and be successful in putting his nose to the grind and and putting his nose to the plow and getting the work done is when churches are supporting those missionaries. So we call that faith promise. We call where churches are involved, where basically members of a church join their pastor in getting a burden for a country and missionaries that were, that were supporting to, who were going to that country. And what we do behind that is we pledge an amount of money individually that collectively goes into this pool we call Faith Promise Missions. And it's money over and above. It's a sacrifice. It's money over and above what we our tithe. It is, should not be our tithe. It's above our tithe. It's money we set aside in a separate way where that money is being used to support a large pool of missionaries. And by doing so, it spreads the risk among a lot of churches so that not one church is, has the heavy burden of subsidizing. Of course, if it's a missionary sent out of our church, we ought to be subsidizing them even more, and we ought to be doing more for that missionary. But it spreads the risk out so that many can participate and have a part in the work of that, and that, ministries, that missionary's ministry. Now, Paul describes this in, first, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, as an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I want you to see some things tonight about the basic principle of faith promise missions. I want you as a current participant, as a prospective participant, to consider the vastness and the urgency of all of us participating in faith promise missions. Number one, I want you to consider the financial precept. A precept is a command, a directive. Faith promise missions, supporting missionaries, getting them to the field is a local church precept, okay? This is God's method for financing missionaries. Now, let's start off by noticing this precept, the intent. In verse 15, Paul defines this precept. Notice it. He said, he addresses, now, remember here in chapter 4, you have to start from the beginning. Paul started the church at Philippi. His missionary team consisted of him, Silas, Timotheus, and Luke, who was in the background. Paul may have went with a minimum amount of money there. Luke might have had some money because he was a practicing doctor. I think all of them had pulled their money together and basically sustained themselves, and they probably ran out of money by the time they got to Thessalonica, as we read through this passage here. Paul had a, had a, had a longing in his heart for the church at Philippi. By the time we get to the book of Philippians, it's my opinion and my position that Epaphroditus may become the pastor for a period of time there at the church at Philippi. Paul is in, is in Caesar's palace at this time, Caesar's household. He alludes to that in verse 22. And um, he's going back and talking about how this church helped him. So he says in verse 15, Now ye Philippians, and he's talking about the church at Philippi, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, listen to this, no church... Communicate. Now, I told you to circle the word communicated. The word communicate is the Greek word koinonia. Some church groups like to use the word koinonia to describe their fellowship group. Not a bad term. 
But the word koinonia is a very rich Bible word. It's not talking fellowship only in the context of people assembling together. It's talking about people fellowshipping through their offerings, through their participation in the work of the gospel. It's talking about them taking care of the needs of the preacher, taking care of the needs of their church pastors, taking care of the needs of their missionaries. And he said, no church participated or partook of or fellowship with me, and he's talking about financial because he gives that context there. He said, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. There's the financial precept. He's talking about giving and receiving. And the church at Philippi participated with them. In faith promise, we individually pledge an amount of money over and above our tithe. That's specific, and we would say this financially, restricted to the purpose of giving for missions. When you give to missions, you designate it as a general amount. We give it to missions. Your giving to missionaries should be through your local church. Give through your local church, okay? Because, first of all, it's for your protection. Because if you give it to a missionary directly, I don't have any idea whether or not the missionary might be going around around the local. And by the way, missionaries are not supposed to go behind the back of a local church and seeking support from the members of that local church. That's wrong. That's unethical. I recommend and prefer our, our members, they do their giving through missions through the local church. That's biblical. He said, ye, Philippians, that's the church. No church communicated with me concerning giving, receiving, but ye only, okay? Now, if you're a little bit, let's say, Lord, a little bit persuaded that you'd rather give to a specific mission because you have a, a fondness in your heart to a particular country, I understand that. But do it through the local church. Do it through faith promise missions. The intent was that Paul had a situation where no other church was participating with him except the church at Philippi. Under this financial precept, we see an involvement. Notice the involvement should be personal. Now, we read in 2 Corinthians 8, they gave of themselves, okay? Now, the first thing is you get ready for faith and promise missions, give of yourself. Give of yourself, all right? Let me help you with that. Number one, you should be willing to say, God, even if you're on staff, or you're a deacon, or your Sunday school, whatever you are, you ought to say, God, do you want me on the mission field? Is there a country, Lord, I should have a burden for? And here's my problem, okay? Every country I go to, I get a burden for it, amen? I've been to the Philippines. I get a burden for the Philippines. I love going to the Philippines. I mean, God works through there. I, I was bummed out this year that we couldn't do our Philippines trip. I, I love going to China. I like getting out of China, too, amen? You know, by the time you're done there, I want to get out of there, amen? Uh, I've enjoyed being in Taiwan and preaching the gospel there. We've had some time there. I've enjoyed the country, New Zealand. I've got a burden for, for helping our missionaries here to start more churches there. I mean, I've been to different places. I, got a burden. I, I enjoyed being Costa Rica and got a great burden for Costa Rica and what's going on there. And, and what I mean, it's just wonderful things like that. You go to any foreign country, I don't care where it is. If you don't get a burden for that country, there's something wrong. And by the way, let me tell you about another foreign country. Do you know downtown Oakland's a foreign country? I take our missionaries and I take pastors, I drive them through Oakland. I show them all the climate zones. I, I show them, I show them China, the, 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 the areas predominantly Chinese. I show them the areas predominantly uh, uh, 
black American. I show them the areas that are predominantly, predominantly white and just very liberal. I take them to areas where, where, uh, where it's predominantly Hispanic and Spanish-speaking. I take them to areas where, it's, where there's a predominantly Vietnamese-speaking. I mean, it's all over the place, Cambodian, whatever it may be. And I said, if I dropped you off here, I'd have to give you tracks specific for the language of that area. It's personal. You give of yourself. And then second, not only do you give yourself personally, but you give yourself financially. You know what you ought to say? You take your finances and say, Lord, it's yours anyway, because I wouldn't have a job, wouldn't have any of the blessings I have if it wasn't for you, Lord. Be willing for God to bless and use you in that context there. So you give of yourself. It must be personal. It must be pecuniary. Pecuniary means monetarily and material in your involvement. I preached a missions conference years ago. At the close of the mission conference, I gave a strong, strong um, uh, plea for the pastor that the church would participate and they'd have good finan- a, good, a good faith promise pledge. And I always ask the pastor, tell me about where, where historically where your faith promise pledges have been. And, and this particular church struggled a little bit. And uh, they took up the offering. And I think my wife was with me that night, and I think Brother, Brother Hayes was up there. I think Brother and Mrs. Hayes actually joined me because I think their son was up there at that conference. And I was standing inside talking to some people. The pastor said, hey, Pastor Fong, can I talk to you for a minute over here in the corner? I said, sure. And I didn't know who the man was with. It was this financial man. He said, uh, we just got this in the offering tonight. And it was a woman's diamond wedding ring. He said, I've never had this happen before. What do I do? I said, well, do you know who gave it? He said, yeah. Well, I said, well, two things, Pastor. I said, number one, I hope her marriage is okay. Amen, you know. And so I said, uh, let's make sure she didn't do it out of spite to her husband. I'm, I'm just being a good pastor, amen, you know. I'm going to I want to fix the marriage if I can there, amen. And so I said, uh, maybe you need to go talk to the lady first and make sure she, she knows what she's doing. She didn't do it just out of the moment. And that her husband's in accord with that because I, you know, I just, you know, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to take away from her desire to give, but I said, you, you ought to check that out first and ask her about it. I mean, that's my, my heart as a pastor. And then I said, secondly, if it was their intent that they, that was, they wanted to give that materially, then you need to honor her request and uh, f- get an appraised value on it and find out whatever, you know, whatever you exchange it for, how you're going to use that in missions and make sure you use it for missions. Amen. At another church this year, I preached a missions conference. And this church historically has not um, had great offerings. I'm helping to do a in-service training for the past. Actually, it's tomorrow night. I'm going to drive over there to do the in-service training. I have my mask on and all that for three hours tomorrow night. And he called me the other week, two weeks ago, and he says, Preacher, I just want to check you're still on. I said, yeah, I just want to make sure that uh, it's okay for me to wear my mask and we'll be social distance, things like that there. And they're going to have a meal. I probably won't participate in the meal with them just because I'm a little concerned for my safety and so forth there. But I want to be a blessing to the preacher. I'm not afraid of all that stuff. I'll have my mask on, things like that. And he said, I want you to know, he said this to me. He said, now, before I begin, he said, I want you to know, thank you for preaching our faith promise mission. He said, people are still talking about the messages. But he said, here's the best part. Our missions has gone up. It's gone up so much more than what we've given before. And we just, and, and I'm thankful that now several months later, consistently the amount of money's coming in on Faith Promise Mission. I said, praise the Lord for that. And this, mission, this message I'm preaching tonight is exactly what I preached to him. I preached the same message. And I want you to understand tonight, the involvement 
means you give of yourself and you give monetarily. It's basic as that. That's the financial precept. Now listen to this. A man by the name of Selwyn Hughes said this. Remember this. You cannot serve God in money, but you can serve God with money. And I want to encourage you tonight as we think about Faith Promise Missions, did you start giving of yourself right now and pledge what you have say, Lord, what can you do? So number one, we see the financial precept. We need to move quickly. Number two, I want you to see the faith performance. Supporting church planters and missionaries is a faith performance. We must have faith that God will use the missionary greatly. We must have faith that God will bless his word. We must have faith that God will open doors. We must have faith. It's a faith performance. Number one, there's the assessment of the representative. Now, we're going to support a missionary. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one. But we assess the representative. Now, there's a lot of guys on deputation. I'm not going to support all of them. I want worthy representation. There's a side of me that says, you know what, I, I think God wants his church to get a good return on its investment. So here's some things we ask. Who is the missionary? Who is the setting church? I want to know, I want to know what he did, what did, what did he do in terms of soul winning and, and, and discipleship. And I'll tell you this right now. If the missionary is not winning souls now, he's not going to win souls on the field. He must have a, a grasp of the concept of discipleship. You, you don't learn all that stuff on the field. You better learn it now before you get to the field. I want to know where he went to Bible college and what he did in Bible college. I want to know what his track record is. I get some references. I want to know about the field. How many times has he gone to the field? What kind of survey work he did? I want to know who he's going to train under on the field. That's important. I want to know his plans. I want to know, I want to know about what, about, is he going to learn the language? Listen, if a missionary is going to a field where it's a foreign language, if he's not committed to the language, that's a problem. Now, there's some rare situations like my good friend Barry Hoffman who's been with us. Brother Hoffman's got several thriving churches he's helped start there. Brother Hoffman's very unusual. He learned the language. His wife speaks Korean. He speaks Korean with his wife and so forth. He understands the language, but he preaches to an interpreter. God's built a great church, and I preach for that church, Emmanuel Baptist Church over there outside of Seoul. I preach in that church. Great church. Great place to take people to for a missions trip. But we do the assessment of the representative. There's the action and the response that speaks of the church. In this phase of performance, there's an, there's an act. We respond. Now, you're going to have a chance on, on Sunday night, August 30th, to respond, the morning and evening of August 30th, to respond with your faith promise pledges. We'll get into that this Sunday night. Okay? Now, notice some things how the church responded. Okay? They were solitary. He said in verse 15, No church communicated with me as concerning giving receiving, but ye only. Listen, the only church that came alongside the Apostle Paul in supporting him financially was the church of Philippi. Now, that doesn't mean all the other churches were bad. It just means that the concept then at that time perhaps really didn't touch him. Nobody was really developing it. But the church of Philippi got it. They had faith in what he was doing. Of course they did. They saw what he did at Philippi. Listen, I think of a mission like Rick Martin. When they, when they, when they start a new work and we just got a letter just recently that, just, that was blessed our heart. I mean... I have no problem leading our church and through missions and giving several thousand more money dollars to help 
Get more pastors out there because I know how they're going to invest it. I know how they're going to get these men out. Same with Dr. Ed Lorena. I have no question when he sends a man out what he does. And their track record, they've started 200-plus works. We've been to those works. I mean, these works are thriving, getting things done. I mean, I can tell you what. We get a church map. We get somebody here in our, in our church that has, that's uh, a descendant of the, of the, of the, of the Philippines, and, the, and, uh, and they, they have a family member there. First person I contact is Dr. Lorena. I said, Dr. Lorena, do you have a church? Do you have a man there? Hey, we had a man in our church. A man in our church had a good friend in Keyson City who was dying of cancer. I contacted Dr. Lorena. He sent one of his staff men and another man that we, that, uh, that, uh, we spent some time with, uh, one of his key, key laymen. They drove two hours one way to go see this man. They led him to Christ, several family members to Christ. Through that process, they led several other me- members to Christ. They're probably going to wind up starting a church in Keyson City because of that. You have to have faith. What they did was solitary. They knew what Paul was doing. Hey, listen, they not only were solitary in the response, they were shareholders in the response. Watch this. Now, shareholder means it's like owning stock in a company. They were shareholders in the work of God. Notice what he said. Ye did communicate with me in my affliction. Now, I told you the word communicate can be translated fellowship. It can be translated to participate. Partaker is another word. You know what it's saying there? They became shareholders. You know what shareholders is? Shareholders is you put money in that company and you say, here, look at, okay, I'm going to own stock in that company. You know what you're doing? You're a shareholder in the work of God there on that field there. That's a great thing. That's a great thing there. Faith Promise Missions is investing in the work of God around the world. I think about last year we had missionary Bob Mack who's in Cote d'Ivoire. Now, Brother Mac, most people don't know him. He's one of the great missionaries of the world. My memory serves right. I think they started five thriving churches. He's a great missionary. I want to have him back as a special speaker one of these days. I think of Terry Unruh in Sri Lanka. Great missionary. I've met his preachers he's trained. These are solid men of God. They're getting the job done. You know our church, praise God, we're shareholders in Sri Lanka. Amen? We're, Sri, we're shareholders in Cote d'Ivoire. We're shareholders in Tanzania and in that special conference. We're shareholders in Uganda. We're shareholders in, in all these different countries. Listen, praise God, we're shareholders in the work of God around the world. There's the abounding in the responsibility. Notice they were resolved. They were resolved. They said, it's a no-brainer. This is, Paul pastored our church. We sent him out. His doctrine's straight. And by the way, you say, what if a missionary's doctrine goes haywire, if he goes kneel or whatever? We stop supporting him. And we've done that. We had a missionary change his position concerning, concerning eschatology. We dropped him like a hot potato. Amen. Not going to have that kind of stuff there. If you haven't, if you, you, you're, you're taking, as a missionary, if you're taking money from God's churches here, and you're not, you don't even have a church you're working on, and you're spending your time reading on the internet about somebody else's position where you decide you're going to be pre-tribute, you're going to be pre-wrath rapture, and then tell your church that you change your position. I feel stupid that we've sent all this money to you. We, we, we thought we betted you, and you, you actually deceived us, and, and, and you went on that field because you weren't decided when you were on, on deputation. Then you go on the field getting all that money. Listen, we stopped. I have another one there. I have another one that several years ago. He changed his position on the, on the King James Version Bible. He confessed to me on the phone. He believed in the majority text. 
And I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity because I know you. I said, I know your father-in-law. I said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to change. You need to get back to your roots. I'm going to give you two weeks to come back to me and tell me what you're going to do. If I don't hear from you, we're going to drop support. I didn't hear back, but I dropped support. And since that time, I've followed that guy, and I'm sad. He's not in the same, same direction as we're going. The resolve. If I'm going to take you on as a missionary on behalf of our church, I'm resolved we're going to, get, we're going to be behind you. But you have to be resolved as a missionary, you're going to re- well represent our church. Notice they were resolved. They took care of him. That is, by the way, that's what we're supposed to be doing for our missionaries. We're supposed to take care of them. Amen? Look what Paul said in verse, verse 10. He said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. That's faith from his mission. Our care for them is to flourish. They made raises. Flourish means to sprout up, to grow, to bloom again. Your care for me has flourished again. They gave more than once. They were recurring. Verse 10, he says, they flourished again. Notice verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, now he's talking about when he's Macedonia. Even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. That's faith promise mission. You do it once and you do it again. Thank God for people. This is our 21st mission, 21st annual missions conference. I want to thank our members who, for 21 straight years, you've been a participant in Faith Promise Mission. You have given sacrificially, and God has taken care of your need. You've given once and again. And we're going to do it once and again, again. So tonight we see the faith performance. Notice number three, the favorable product. There's a precept, there's a performance, there's a product. Look at verse 18. Their giving was acceptable. Now that's an important word there. The word acceptable is the same word that's used many times in the New Testament that also describes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the giving, the offering of our body is a living sacrifice. It, he says it's, it's acceptable, the will of God is acceptable. He said in verse 18, but I have all and abound... I am full, have received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. I love how he describes that, the things that were sent from you. I think they sent money. I think they sent a care package or two. They probably sent him some clothing. They probably sent him a new pair of sandals, you know, whatever it was, man. I mean, they took care of his need, amen. He says the things which were sent. I mean, here's Epaphroditus. He probably carried two backpacks with him, and they were all for the Apostle Paul, Amen. And he calls it something that identified itself with the sacrifice on the altar. An odor of a sweet smell. He calls it a sacrifice. By the way, let's just, let's just pause for a minute, okay? You know what a sacrifice really is? A sacrifice involves a victim. A death. Now let, let's just be honest, church. You and I don't sacrifice because we, we, we haven't given our lives. Amen. A sacrifice is Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't call it a sacrifice unless you're going to put your life on the line. He said, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice. And here's what, look at the word he describes it. A sacrifice, that's a noun. Notice the adjective. Acceptable and well-pleasing to God. You know what he's saying there? When we give, 
when we give, it's an odor of a sweet smell to God that is acceptable and notice it's not just pleasing, it's well pleasing to God. Now let's do the converse of that. If we're not giving to faith promise missions, if we're not tithing, then you know what? It's a stench in the nostrils of God. It is unacceptable. By the way, that's a good phrase to use. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving, that is unacceptable before God. And it's not pleasing to him either. And Paul doesn't get off on the negative side saying it's unacceptable, it's a stench. He says, no, it's an odor of a sweet smell, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So notice the manner in which it was acceptable. He said it was a sacrifice, the things they sent to him materially. He says, notice, in it's material. He says, it's the odor of a sweet smell. And it's motive, well-pleasing to God. Their giving was acceptable. Notice in verse 17, their giving was advantageous. He says, not because I desire a gift. And by the way, I, I thank God for missionaries where their letters are not always filled with, can you send me this, can you send me that? We, we got some that call us up all the time, and just, you know, and they're not a few, just a handful. You know, I got this need, that need. And my, my question is, hey, man, what's your church doing? Isn't your church going to, if you got those needs, don't expect America to take care of that. What about your church? Teach your church faith. Not because I desire a gift. Now, this, 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 this is the spirit of missions. But I desire fruit that may abound to your count. Fruit that abounds to your count is a return on your investment. In a very simple way of looking at it, it's interest, it's an interest-bearing account. In a more complex way of looking at it, it's a substantial capital gain. Fruit that abounds to your count. Now notice this. Fruit that may abound to your count is local church centric. Local church centric, okay? God's hand upon the efforts and vision of a local church is proportional to its investment mission. Listen, listen to me. God's blessing on a church is proportional to its investment in missions. If you're burning for souls like I am, and you should be. You're burning for the world to get saved, and you should be, like I am. Then fruit that abounds to God. I'm going to ask Brother Justin to do this project here. And we're going to go back 12 months the best we can. We're going to find out from all the missionaries we support. Brother Justin, you better write this down. <laughs> we're going to find out from all the missionaries we support. How many souls got saved in one year's time, and how many got baptized? You know why? Because I want to come back to you and we get that number. And it's going to be a rough number. We'll be conservative. We're going to tell you this is the number of souls got saved, number of baptized, number, a number of preachers being trained in, in their Bible college. And we're going to tell you that's fruit that abounds your account. That's how you make it tangible there, okay? It's local church centric. But secondly, fruit that abounds your account is individually centric. It's individual centric. Now, I'm going to tell you a statement here. I believe this is the material we build upon the foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe fruit that abounds to our account is the gold, silver, and precious stones that will be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. 
God did not bless you and I financially to hoard it, but to participate. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10 about the judgment seat of Christ that he would judge us for the things done in our body according to that he has done. Shareholder appreciation is the investment we make in the advancement of the gospel. Then number four, did you notice the faithful promise? This church at Philippi, they took care of Paul. Paul described what they did in verse 10 as it flourished. They were careful about his need. He said they have, they have well done in verse 14. They communicated with his affliction. They also knew no other church communicated or participated concerning giving and receiving. He received from Epaphroditus. He describes his material that they sent to him. And here's the bottom line. The church at Philippi, those members who participated, whatever they saved up for, whatever they needed, they gave that to help their missionary. So Paul was saying as he started this, you know what, I didn't really desire it. I didn't really need it. I was, I, I've learned that to be content, to bound, to suffer need. And he said, and he used the word sacrifice. He says, now I know some of you, it really probably took a toll on you financially. And he said, I know how some of you are. You're probably wondering, I gave up this to help Paul. In the back of your mind, the devil was messing with your head and saying, well, you just look what you did here. And Paul reminds us of a faithful promise that's found in verse 19. Now, when you claim verse 19 in your life, make sure in contextually you claim it in accordance with giving and receiving. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to their riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'll tell you what I believe the church of Philippi did. I believe they gave beyond their ability. And with their concerns and fears, Paul said, God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul was teaching them the shovel in, shovel out uh, principle. It's found in Proverbs 11, verses 24 to 25. It says this, there is that scattereth and yet increases. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, but attendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. He that waters shall be watered all himself. He's basically saying, you know, the more you shovel in, you shovel into God's word, you shovel out to God's word, he shovels back into you. You just trust God. He says, God will supply all your need. Now, I'm going to tell you this, this faithful promise from God. Number one, it's exclusive to those who are giving to mission. Right here. Second, it is extraordinary to those who are giving to mission. Listen, when, did you know this? Faith promised missions, when we, when we participated, it's recession and depression proof. Did you know that? It's recession. You know, we had a, we had a recession in 2007, 2008, around that time, 2009. You know, our faith promised missions was going up at that time. Verse 19 is a guarantee from the Creator Himself. God should supply all your need according to His rich and glory. I think of a church member right now that their first that they, they got laid off their first job one week before our missions conference. They're out looking for jobs and things like that, and nothing was opening up, and the economy wasn't very good at that time. And this church member who was in their early 20s. When Faith Promise Missions time came, that church member, you know what they did? The single person, they pledged 
an amount they didn't have. And you know what happened? They submitted that pledge, just thanking God, did not even think about Philippians 4.19. The week after, that person said, hey, I just want to let you know I got a job. And they told me about the situation. And they, then they told me their testimony. I said, praise God for that. God supplied their need according to the riches and glory of Christ Jesus. I mean, it's proven over and over and over and over again. Finally, last thing I want to give you and we're done. Would you notice the fervent participation, verses 9 and 10. Paul said, these things which ye have, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Now, he taught them faith promise. He taught them giving. He said, the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Listen, what he's telling me here as we close. There must be a fervent participation. The church at Philippi, they heard everything they were supposed to do, and now they did it. He said, your care of me has flourished. He said, now at the last, your care of me. You know what he's saying there? Not only did you listen, not only did you hear, not only did you receive, but no, he said, now I'm watching, you're doing it. Then he said, you sent once and again. Our care for the missionaries must be flourishing. There must be an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Church member, church family, you're already participating at a minimum. Participate again at the same level you did for this past year. And if you're at a minimal amount, you pray about increasing it. And I want everyone that's participating to also consider a one-time capital gift you'll give that we'll use for capital needs for our missionaries this coming year. I'm already was praying. I was praying about this this morning. Lord, I was praying for God for building programs we can help, vehicles we can help purchase, all different needs, schools that can be started, material that they need, whatever they might be. Maybe to help them start a Christian school, whatever they're going to do there. That, that God would help us to just identify all these different needs, seminary building, whatever they're going to build, to help all that. Those of you who are nervous about faith promise, you have some quirky reason why you're not participating, whatever that quirky reason might be, get involved tonight. Get involved tonight. My prayer is for our church, the beginning now, 10 days from now, you are ready to participate in Faith Promise Missions on Sunday the 30th. Don't let it be an afterthought. Make it a forethought. Make it the main thought for the next 10 days. Some of you have casually thought about it. As you study Philippians chapter 4, do it. Do it. Our care for the missionaries must flourish again. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to places we can visit and seeing the young preachers that are being trained to be sent out to preach the gospel, visiting their churches and seeing all that God's doing. You pray with me about that tonight. Let's do our part. It's a financial precept. There must be a faith performance. It's a faithful product. There must be a faithful performance. Then at that point, we must do our part. Let's do our part for the glory of God. It's about souls being saved. And if you're watching tonight, you're not saved. You know what? It's all about you coming to Christ, getting your sins forgiven, knowing that heaven's your home.